No. It's enough. Even torturing you is boring. This is the small council. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of Small Council Radio. With me tonight I have my co-host Cyrus. Thank you so much for coming on and joining me. We're back. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So, if you haven't seen the topic, uh, it's you know going to be one of those episodes where we kind of just talk about a bunch of you know kind of random stuff. Um, just no... Uh, one topic necessarily. We might jump around a bit, kind of like we did a couple episodes back, uh, and just kind of do a little bit, a little bit different of a format than you know the small council is used to. Because I would say uh, the number of episodes we've had like this is in the single digits, and I think we are on uh, what is it, a hundred and. Four plus twenty, so we're like at like one twenty-four. Like this is one hundred twenty-third or twenty-fourth episode. So, um, but I figured at more episodes like this would be nice, uh, you know, rather than just a a topic every single week and having to stick to that topic. I think can be quite limiting, um, especially because there are some topics out there that don't necessarily need a whole episode uh, at that. And if we're only doing one episode a week, then uh, it may seem like it would take forever to get to some of the the lesser topics. Um, so, but uh, with that said, um, before we jump into everything, uh, you know, I figured uh, I'd see uh, how are you doing, Cyrus? How's like your gaming group going? How's your play testing and things you're interested in right now as far as Ice and Fire goes? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Uh, these random topic shows give us an opportunity to emphasize just how scatterbrained we all really are. <laughs> uh, my Song of Ice and Fire experience has been pretty decent. Uh, I've been trying to make our regular game on Wednesdays. I've been uh, running mostly Night's Watch. Uh, I was thinking I was going to take Night's Watch to National. But then I had a brief moment of uh, I want to say clarity but it might have been insanity like oh, maybe I could think about running some Lannister I tried them for a couple of days and let me tell you we, I think we were talking about it on Discord Adam Marbrand Pyromancers are legit they are a real thing uh, adding the defense and the uh the defense of hardened and the reliability of reduced panic damage can really make them a threat. So that was actually a lot of fun running that last week. Um, our new uh, game day is tomorrow, and I have actually have no idea what I'm going to run. I don't know if I'm going to go back to Nightwatch or take on the or if I'm going to start running Baratheon because I just bought myself a Baratheon lot. Yes, I did. I caved to the pressure, and I. <laughs> joined the enemy, and I bought myself some Baratheons so I could stop being tortured by Baratheons and start doing torturing myself. Um, that, so that's going to be fun. Uh, 
uh, I think we've even seen uh, on Discord who I uh, bought them from, uh, a Victoria Angel on Discord uh, put the lot, lot up in the uh, Sunday Slaughter Discord, and those are great deals. I mean, they're all brilliantly painted. That's going to save me a lot of time, <laughs> so I don't even have to paint them myself. Uh, so, yeah, that is going to be fun getting to play around with Baratheon because I, have, I don't think I've played a single game of Baratheon the entire time I've been in Song of Ice and Fire. I just, I don't know. I've just been avoiding them. Uh, it wasn't just because they were bad. It's just they never appealed to me. But saw a deal on Discord. I was like, eh, well, maybe I'll just jump in the in the lake head first and see what happens. Um, other than that, as far as the game goes, it's, you know, it's been fine. I've been really gearing up towards Nationals. I kind of wish we could get a little bit more information from CMOS on how Nationals is going to work. I just found out the other week that it's going to be a Friday and Saturday event instead of a Saturday-Sunday event. So I'm having to change up my uh, days that I bought the passes for. I've already bought a Saturday and Sunday pass, so now I have to buy a Friday pass as well. And uh, we don't know how the rounds are going to go. We're not sure what the time and and, uh, the logistics of of how this is going to plan. We we haven't even gotten confirmation on our invites yet of who is officially invited and who isn't because my invite is going to be a little bit more complicated. I did not win my event, but the winner of my event passed their invite to me because they had already qualified. So there's some trepidation there. It's like, ah, I hope this works. I hope this, this happens because we're only four weeks away from nationals. And I'm really hoping that, that everything gets cleared up. And from what I understand, we're going to get some kind of official word from CMON Organized Play within the next week of what nationals look like uh, better of late than never I guess but I was really hoping for this to be cleared up a little bit sooner um, but other than that I am really excited for nationals I love all the guys that are expected to be there I've met probably over half of them already uh, yeah I think nationals is going to be a fun time uh, and you are going to be there uh, Brett's going to be there I think even Craig said he's going to be there so yeah I'm going to be able to hang out with all of the Small Council Radio crew. It'll be fun. Nice. Yeah, I can't wait to go. I plan to make an entire week of it, though I'm pretty fortunate that uh, um, I only work 24 hours on Monday and 24 hours on Thursday. So uh, I just have to take Thursday off, and I basically have the whole week off. Um, and then... You know, Brett's been you know, was kind enough to let me uh, stay at his place because he lives right down the way. So I'm I'm cutting a lot of corners for uh, being able to make a, make a very large trip happen. I'm still crossing my fingers that Indy um, Family Time Games uh, in Indianapolis does like a pre Gen Con event, like a prep event on like Wednesday or something. You know, before the last chance qualifier. Um. You know, it doesn't even have to have any prizes or anything. Just kind of a, hey, you want to test out your lists or, you know, maybe some lists you're thinking about and you're not sure if you're ready and just do, like, a cool little tournament. Um, but, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, that and, you know, my wife's 
super awesome and understanding because that Gen Con always falls on our anniversary weekend. So um, we usually celebrate usually the, the week before or the week after, depending on what's going on. So I still don't know what I'm personally bringing. Um, it is more than likely going to be either Greyjoy or Free Folk. I do know almost certainly that uh, whichever one I play in the last chance qualifier, even though I don't need a spot, I just want to play in it to get games in, um, uh, will be the opposite of whatever I end up playing in the main event. So if I play Greyjoys the day before, then it's going to be uh, Free Folk the day of or vice versa. I'm pretty sure we're going to be seeing a lot of free folk already. So go ahead and uh, run free folk day one. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, fortunately enough, uh, both, you know, just naturally, I didn't like build it to be this way, but uh, like two, my main list for free folk and my main list for Greyjoys are really good against either the mirror or just free folk in general. Like both are just really good at mowing down hordes of uh, of units, whether or not they have great morale. So, like, Mance Bubble uh, doesn't really bother me. Um, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I dozens of players uh, reaching out to you with the uh, Doctor Strange meme of Teach Me, because a lot of people <laughs> are really wanting to get that folk counter going. Uh, it's, it's a hard thing to come across. A lot of factions uh, have trouble dealing with that many units. And even though you do kill some of them, they don't count victory points. Uh, Free Folk can play the objective better than just about any faction. So they are definitely a tough matchup for a lot of players. You're going to need details. Copious details. Yep. You're going to have to give away (laughs) all your secrets. Well, uh, with that said, actually one of the very few uh, topics I kind of wanted to touch on was we just did the Indianapolis qualifier. Uh, so last, the week before last, uh, the um, we did it out of family time games and it didn't have that great of a turnout. But with that said, uh, practically everyone, uh, there was only one newer person there, but every, uh, every if I'm not mistaken, uh, every other person there like was already qualified, they're really tough players. So it wasn't just this like, you know, oh, you know, like beginner tournament that you went to and you just like the winner got like a free pass into the qualified event. Like you had to really fight through some really tough opponents. Uh, So with that said, uh, um, you know, I don't mind list sharing, to be totally honest. If someone wants to try to tailor to my list, go for it. Uh, if you want to try to tailor to me and then somehow never face me in the tournament, that, I mean, more power to you. So with that said, I do not mind sharing my list. Uh, I think it is kind of a problem. I think it works way too well that it may need to be addressed. Uh, so I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, but the list I ran, I ran, uh, I ran the same list every round, and I got uh, three crushings um, at the Indy qualifier. Uh, it was for Free Folk. The list is uh, Steyr in Thens, another Thens with no attachment, another Thens with no attachment, Raiders with Tormund, Raiders with Barak, 
the new uh, two-point attachment from the Hero Box 3. Uh, trappers. So that's, yeah, that's six combat units. And then my NCUs are Lady Dalla and uh, Craster. And then I'm running um, Mance the Bard. So it it just has an insane number of auto hits that all three crushings, I barely ever even attacked my opponents. I just, they couldn't really do anything between uh, just all the auto hits and, you know, they, uh, what was it, my two raider units that I do have, both have stalwart, so they're pretty survivable, you know, all things considered for a five-point unit. Uh, all my thens, you know, they have the whole, uh, hold the line and taunt, so I would taunt my opponent into me. Uh, they would then get hit by hidden traps because they have to charge me if they fail. Then I would activate, hold the line, hit them, use my activation, retreat. Taunt them back into me, hidden traps, more hits. Uh, whatever unit I put, Man uh, Mance the Bard was easily MVP. Um, used it uh, once to shut off uh, my opponent from being able to do what is dead may never die because you can't play tactic cards on the unit. So all game they were being whittled down by these hits and then traps and then sends, uh, and then finally popped Mance, gave a token, uh, final, you know, hit the final blow on like their key unit, and uh, and they couldn't save it. So uh, it just it gets a little silly, um, especially with final strike. Oh, you got like a, a cav unit. All right, I'll uh, you know I have so many numbers that I'm going to try to make sure that you're going to charge into, you know. Uh, something squishy because I want you to explode them as I then throw a final strike for like 10 at minus 1 and I vulnerable you know, I already threw a vulnerable on you with you know war cry uh, and now my raider unit that doesn't give up a victory point has now like retribution you to almost death and you know and then I just go in for the killing blow um now, some people may, you know, a lot of people out there are like, well, eight activation free folk is just okay. You really want nine activations. Uh, I mean, maybe, but I think with the number of auto hits, uh, you know, there's not a lot you can do unless you really just want to run a bunch of raiders and or chariots. Chariots are amazing. Don't get me wrong. But personally, they're just a little too flimsy for me. And a lot of people who are used to free folk, um, I find you have to play so careful with the chariot that it kind of uh, that in itself is a downside. So I would rather just run, you know, more uh, units that have you know full twelve wounds in there, and I don't have to be as careful with them. Um, so yeah, the the list, is, like I said, a little silly. And then Lady Dalla, um, you know, being able to take the the wealth zone to heal and then deal wounds uh, or deal hits, I should say. Um, Craster to kind of heal some stuff back up, draw more cards. Um, you know, I kind of uh, forego a lot of the maneuverability. You know, there's you'll see a lot of like Mance lists where you have uh, a chariot, you have um, Egret and 
uh, Lady Val as the NCUs. You'll have Harma for Sentinel. And, you know, it's a pretty nasty list itself. Uh, that Other than Lady Val, I just can't commit to that NCU but um, with my play style. But a lot of that other stuff is in my second list with Mance. But um, my Mance list is meant more for... Uh, like the Baratheon matchup, and it, you know if they're trying to run like the double stag, uh, champions of the stag, uh, because you know I have uh, the Walrus chieftains in some raiders, and then I have so many activations. Again, I can force that unit into the champions, and just you know it's going to take them like at least three rounds to kill the unit, and go ahead like. I could care less if at the end of the day my Raider unit then died. If I trapped your uh, eight to nine point unit there with my five point unit all game, awesome. So, uh, but uh, I didn't have to face that matchup, which is why Steyr uh, was the list I chose uh, every round. But just the number of auto hits is insane. Like I said, I really didn't have to attack, and it's, you know, that's a problem. I think if you can just kind of go through the game and just kind of move your pieces around and into position and then never really have to attack your opponent to kill them, uh, you know, something needs to be looked at. Uh, you know, and I've I've only done this um, once or twice before, but uh, anytime I find a list like this that is working so insanely well that, like, it's just – it's not only strong but completely unfun to play against, I retire it in all forms other than the highest of competitive play. For example, uh, we have our local tournament coming up this week on Saturday. Um, as much as I would like to, you know, play it and try it out a bit more and get some more testing in before Gen Con, I'm, you know, it's officially retired. I'm not going to force any of my uh, locals through that. Um, I'm not even going to ask them if it's okay, like in casual play, uh, just because I know the result already is going to be not fun, even if I lose. Um, so, uh, so we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't think this list is like unbeatable. I don't think it's that insane. I just think it's. Uh, I always forget the acronym, but the it's a negative play experience, uh, NPX uh, or E, N, NPE unit or NPE, NPE list. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just negative play, uh, you know, because, I mean, I've played the list six times now in serious games in person. And all three, uh, all six have been crushings. Three of them all being at the uh, indie qualifier, and then the other three was in testing. Because um, I'm not playing free folk because they're like the new hot thing. I think you know people who've been listening to us for a while have known that I've been saying that Greyjoys are like my love, and then free folk are a close second. And that's just you know. I like how Free Folk have a lot of different units that are all good, it seems like, and so I can I feel like I'm list building is super flexible, which is what kind of draws me to Free Folk. Um and then obviously Greyjoys because they they just fit my playstyle best uh, better than any other faction out there with the whole being 
insanely offensive while being able to supplement their defense through other means uh, like healing and uh, and whatnot and morale. So, yeah. So that list is pretty interesting. It does have some counterplay that can be had against it. It was we were talking about on Discord about how Fens, uh, if they're dealing with something like Ranger Hunter veterans of uh, Targaryens, uh, being able to retreat or, or charge in from taunt and then retreat and shoot, you're allowed to avoid the, uh, the whole line extra hit. But the hidden trap can really mess with you. You're either going to have armies that have, uh, let's say, Nightwatch hunters in them, to, with their low armor, they're vulnerable to the hidden trap. But if you have high armor, typically can lower, and then now you're worried about the minus one to move from hidden trap. So there's all kinds of games that, that hidden traps can play with your opponent, depending on the feeling. But uh, if Mant wasn't a thing, I think you'd see uh, Sire a lot more. He's got some pretty nasty stuff. The fact that you can put him in a unit of fence. And that is a unit that you do not want to attack under any circumstance at all because you could attack them really hard and do a lot of wounds and you have to deal with final strikes. If you attack them and don't do a lot of wounds, you have to deal with them supremacy, which can stack with theirs many. You just can't attack a unit for fear of what it might do back to you. Not only that, but yep. also the whole line hit, which you'll have to deal with. It is amazing. I mean, the Thin is great, uh, or uh, Styre is great, and the Thins are, are a really good unit. And, yeah, if Mance wasn't a thing, you'd see a lot of them. Uh, I do agree. I mean, the chariots can pull off some wild stuff, but they are pretty flimsy. In the game that I played uh, against the folk in our regional qualifiers, I was able to pick off the chariot that uh, he might have been just a little bit too overly aggressive with. And I was able to flip a unit of crossbows around and just and just pick that bad boy right off. Because uh, he charged in behind my line because he was thinking he got set up for another attack that I had a uh, a watcher on the wall uh, from a unit that was on the other side of the line that attacked and I was able to flip them around and shoot him. Um, now, uh, able to bard, he's pretty interesting. Um, my opponent put him in my unit of conscripts and was just peppering them with the entire game. And the fact that you, you you do have to spend the two points on, I think, is that the most expensive enemy attachment that you can have? Because all the other ones are one. Uh, it's yep. an investment, but three folks can afford it because they have a lot of cheap units. And I think that two points is a solid investment for the game, especially on a unit that your opponent might be counting on like an expensive unit of Ranger Hunter or um, Pyromancer or something that has, you know, paper armor that they're going to have to be babysitting the entire game with three hits at the time that they act. And then you have to worry about why are they going to kill Abel, which is a wound on the unit. It still counts as a wound, so you're practically dealing with 11 wounds on your unit that's getting a bunch of hits. Uh, when are they going to pop it to add a condition token? Locked off orders. It is, it's 
a pretty useful tool, and I haven't looked to see if it's getting used a lot, but I think it should because, like, we don't see the Lancer cutthroat or the turncoat uh, very much, and he has that one ability, but he doesn't have the free hit. I think if the Lancer turncoat did have the free hit on top of the sabotage and subvert, I actually think he might play him, even though Lancers don't have all the cheap units. I think it would really benefit from having more versatility than just that version of Uh But yeah, I think the list is, is pretty solid. Uh, if I ran three folks, I dabbled with them for a little while, but I decided that it wasn't the thing. Uh, I would probably run something similar because there's so many games that you can play with your opponent. You have the Fen, and, and you have Steyr in the Fen, and that's a unit that you don't want to attack but they have an ability that can make you attack them anyway and just play right into your hand of either hitting them hard or hitting them soft. You can go after their, their hard-hitting unit and be able to pick them off with, with Final Strike, or you can go after their ranged unit or their, their, their weak unit and being able to back sense supremacy with there's too many. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty wild what uh, that looks to be able to pull off. It's, it's not impervious by any means. In fact, no list is impervious now. But, uh, yeah, it's a good list. Yeah, and, you know, I've considered, uh, in, like, the early renditions of the list, I considered just taking Able the Bard out of there and then using those two points to put two one-point attachments in the two uh, the other Fen units that Steyr isn't in. Um, even if, you know, swapping them out to just put the, uh, is it, the chosen of Steyr. Uh, it's the Steyr, atta- uh, the the Fen attachment that gives go down fighting. And I just figured, oh, well, that's still similar to the hits. It's just auto wounds every time I lose a rank. But I was like, eh, I mean, maybe. You know, I still, like, think that it wouldn't be horrible. But now I'm investing for two six-point units. The, the nice thing about having the three Fens uh, with Steyr in one of them is... It's just three five-pointers. And then I have the two uh, raiders, which are, you know, with two-point attachments in each, also makes them five points. And then I have the cheap four-point trapper. Now, the trapper is a little vulnerable, um, you know, but again, it's vulnerable to, like, to Mel, but again, that's kind of why I have the Mance list. The Mance list is more appropriate for the Baratheon matchup. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, Mance. Is, Mance, the able the Bard uh, attachment is so good. Um, anyone that has was on the fence bottom, I definitely would say give him a try. Uh, believe it or not, like um, two of my games, I didn't even put him in something like uber good. Uh, like one game, I put him in a unit of Greyjoy uh, Bowman. You know why? Uh, I play Greyjoys a lot, so I knew uh, the big thing about Greyjoy Bowman. For one, you know they only have a five-up save, so you know that those hits are going to be consistently getting a bunch of wounds off of them. But two, you have to remember that Greyjoys have uh, uh, no, blank a uh, rating call. And Bowman are a perfect unit for that, to move Bowman uh, wounds to another unit. And I know that you're not going to want to do that if that unit is constantly taking hits all game. Uh, So 
<clears throat> by weakening this unit and making it flimsy, I know that they're going to be, you know, you, it's going to be taking away the only good option for rating call because uh, it was more of an elite style uh, Greyjoy list. Uh, and that was his only like soft point was those bowmen. Um, so if he's going to use rating call, he was going to have to feed like a, a big unit's models into another big unit. Um, so, and then, uh, you know, the unit I ended up using him, uh, and then I played another Greyjoy player actually, and then the unit I put him in was a silenced men with Victorian three-point uh, attachment with the Relentless, and that's where I was able to shut off what is what is dead may never die to keep to make sure that ten-point unit died. Um, because the last thing I wanted is for that 10-point unit to just sit on the board. And again, even though they have an amazing morale with that amazing minus to panic damage effect, they still only have five up saves. So Mance, the uh, the bard, was pinging away at them. Uh, what else did I play against? I played against uh, Gary Luther, a uh, great player. I was able to get a win on him. Um, who did I put uh, Mance in? Um, I remember, but again, like he was, he was MVP in pretty much every single game. With the runner-up MVP actually being the combo you had just previously mentioned, which was uh, uh, then supremacy with "There's too many." It's it's insane. Uh, you know, I only had one rank missing uh, both times I did it, and I was like, all right, take one at minus five plus five. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. And they were panicked from Warcry and making them reroll. And it's like, all right, great. You take eight wounds back from Thend Supremacy. And they're like, um, what? <laughs> so yeah. it's it can get quite silly, especially because one, one of the two times I did it, what did I use it on? It was like their big unit. Like, um, Was it like... Man, now I'm drawing a blank on a lot of a lot of that day. Uh, but yeah, it was a big unit. It was like an, an eight nine point unit, and it's just like okay, you you attacked my Steyr and Thens, uh, or no, they didn't even attack Steyr and Thens. I knew it was their last option, so I coordination tactics the uh, Then supremacy over. Um, I mean, it hadn't been used yet. Uh, but he wasn't attacking Sire. So I was like, well, if he's going to attack this unit, I don't have a final strike in my hand, but I'm going to do the next best thing. And coordination tactics, transferred Zen Supremacy over. He attacked um, uh, rather than just not attack. Uh, and then the unit just exploded. It, it's just, like I said, it's, it's silly. Uh, the amount of damage you can do as reaction to your opponent just doing things um but you know yeah, then man, my man's list even worse. i didn't even think about coordination tactics you can throw that on a unit over within long range and and or short range uh, i can do that combo even if you're avoiding my commander's unit um, yep. one, one funny thing about Able to Bard is uh, you do have to be careful putting him in a unit that already has an attack. Because if they have any 
self-wounding abilities, they can actually kill off Abel without destroying the unit. So I'm thinking of Starks with the Berserker tactics where they can take wounds to deal wounds, or uh, in my case, there's any unit of conscripts, I can supply aid and kill Abel without killing the unit. Uh, and in Greyjoy's yep. case, you can do Raving Call and be able to kill Abel without killing the unit, and they will get the benefit of the... Uh, sabotage and subvert if you didn't already declare it. Uh, but by then, that unit's on one wound anyway, so probably mission accomplished. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny how some of those interactions have popped up. Yep. And, you know, another thing you have to watch out for with playing Able the Bard is uh, in the mirror match uh, with uh, Free Folk um, because you can... Um, regroup and reform and move the mance around uh, yeah. by swapping yeah. attachments. Now, is so, there... Uh, oh, is there another card that deals with attachments? Is that Hefty Ransom, or is that one of those Baratheon cards? I'm drawing a blank on it right now, but I'm kind of curious. Uh, um, let's see. I think Davos has something. Let's look at his tactics cards real quick. Davos has um, so if your opponent, yeah, go ahead. Um, I guess you wouldn't want to do this. And it says friendly infantry attachment, or I don't know, is is it considered friendly? Yeah, the wording has changed to make it yours. It says your opponent can do this. Okay, so but this one would, you'd previously destroyed, you'd reattach it. I don't know if you'd want to do that. <laughs> um, then there so is depending on Ren- what that would be considered friendly unit or a, or an enemy unit. I'm looking at hefty ransom. If uh, a friendly attachment is destroyed, uh, you can put this on a card to, on a on a unit uh, with a short range to gain a victory point. So if they pop the sabotage and subvert. Would that be a friendly attachment being destroyed and allow you to trigger the card? I don't know. It's not that. It's not that big. It just made me think of other cards that deal with attachments that destroyed. Like, could you? Well, there's you also move it around. There's friendly uh, um, uh, Lord Paramount. Inexplicable return. Choose one. The first option: move one friendly attachment from one unit to another friendly unit without an attachment in long range. Yeah, so there you go. You so, can move if they if they pick your uh, let's say your high garden pikeman that doesn't have the best armor, you can move this to a unit that has uh, better armor and be able to eat those hits a little bit better. It's just an option. It's not it's not exactly something that you would want to necessarily tech for right now, but it's, it's the thing. Yeah. Um. Other than that, that's all I can necessarily think of. But, yeah, there's definitely some interesting stuff um, that can be done with him. Uh, So I would just be wary of that, especially like you were saying, you know, self-wounding stuff. You can really, you know, you can just purposely kill kill him before ever getting the second part. Because, I mean, uh, if the turncoat is one point, then you have to think it was – Mance the Bard being two points, each ability is worth one point, essentially. So if he dies 
without ever getting to pop off and do the wound, place a token, and prevent orders and tactics cards for the turn, then you're essentially losing out on a whole point of his effect. Um, even if, I mean, I usually play it safe, and like if the unit is almost dead, uh, I'll pop him before ever attacking the unit if I think the attack might be the final blow. But by popping him off, you almost ensure, if if you're in question on whether or not it was going to be the final blow, um, popping him off almost guarantees it. So I think that's also another nice thing about him. You know, if they have like, even let's say four wounds left, you pop him, that's one wound gone, you put a vulnerable on them, and now without orders or tactics cards, they're not going to be able to protect this unit with any outside effects that you are unaware of. Um, especially, you know, uh, like I said, I, I have a different list for a Baratheon matchup, but if you're someone out there listening and you wanted to try this out in the Baratheon matchup, you know, uh, Stagnites with the Resilience, you can pop Mance to shut off uh, Resilience um, order and then really drive those hits through with the Vulnerable token. Uh, you know, there's just so many things that you can do. I, I think Mance the Bard is a uh, phenomenal attachment. I don't personally think he needs to be changed in any way, uh, you know, when referring to all these auto hits. I think he is fine. Uh, I think he is pretty tame with uh, the amount of hits he's doing because it's not multiple times every single round. It's literally once when the unit activates. And uh, unless you can somehow activate multiple times in a round, uh, he's only going to trigger, uh, you know, potentially six times um, and then get his other effect. So I think it's completely yeah. fair. Huh. And his hits go down as your ranks go down. So if you are on that last rank, you're only taking one hit, which could still add up over time, but it is on activation, and you're not going to be, like you said, activating more than one per, per round. Uh, not yet, anyway. I think you can be able to with some cards. I think Night's Watch there, uh, old uh, Now's Watch has ended, allowed you to remove an activation banner, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, it's been a while. Uh, one minor drawback of Able to Bard is his timing. Uh, you do have to attach him before deployment. So you don't get the benefit of seeing how your opponent is going to deploy uh, when you attach him to your enemy unit. So uh, I think a lot of other attachments are after the point, or maybe I'm thinking of like the nice vows where now you can where this after the point. How your opponent deploys before you implement your, your vow. But uh, yeah, it's just a minor drawback. I mean, it's not even that big of a deal because. Uh, what he's doing is, is going to be pretty independent of how units are. But it does prevent you from being able to stack one side of the board and being able to pounce on their uh, unit that has able to bargain and take freedom. Yeah, and, you know, and I think it's, uh, it is definitely a drawback. I think it's definitely not as bad as, like you were mentioning, like the nightly vow. You know, for good reason, those ones have to be after deployment because often you never get to see what you're paying for uh, for half of the effect um, because, you know, your opponent was just so easily able to avoid your unit. And even with the change of after deployment, there's still that possibility that your opponent just deploys that 
um, all the units worth marking with that vow away from your unit um, and putting like the most useless uh, um, unit to have it on across from them. But uh, but able to bard um, being before deployment, I find I already kind of know what unit I want him in regardless of what deployment ends up looking like so but it is still kind of a drawback obviously i would prefer to see what the board is because that little bit of extra information might change my decision but with that said yeah it um, might but uh maybe not so you know, just because we're on the topic, I'll throw out my other list out there. This list I have tested a handful of times as well and has done very well, just um, uh, not a ton of crushings, and I actually have to put work in. <laughs> I don't just, like, sit there and then wombo combo you to death by you activating and doing things. Um, this one is uh, Manson Trappers uh, 2... Raiders, both with Walrus Chieftains, a Raider with uh, Tormund, a unit of Sens with Harma, a, and then a, uh, let's see, how many is that? That's one, two, three, four, five. And then the last unit is uh, Followers of Bone with a Bone, uh, with a Champion of Bone. Um, and then I run, uh, for the NCUs, I got Egret and Craster. So, and this list kind of, you know, it, it drives home kind of like you were mentioning, you know, being able to make your maneuver minus three potentially between uh, traps, Egret, and then if you have a bog and or hedge, obviously bog being a lot more effective since you can't destroy it. But um, this list in particular is like super anti Baratheon in the sense that, uh, one, I can uh, reduce all the maneuvering quite a bit, but two, um, I just have those Walrus Chieftain uh, Raiders that just kind of sit there forever in combat with the Baratheon units that they're just, you know, it takes so much effort to kill them all for no victory points that my other things are able to kind of do what they need to do. Uh, and then I have like the, my big hitter, which is the follower of followers of bone because of that bone, uh, champion of bone. Uh, because now if I can get a flank charge with them, uh, I think I've mentioned this in the previous, uh, show, but if I can get a flank charge with them, uh, especially if I've already, um, Warcried that unit with Tormund, uh, and then play theirs too many. You're looking at a minus uh, one for the flank, uh, minus two for the vicious, minus one for the intimidating presence, and then another minus three for the um, uh, there's too many, making it a minus seven test. And now most units auto fail, and even the good morale units are a 10 or an 11. Uh, and with a panic token on you and a vulnerable, that's more than likely a one-shot unit because now you're then also plus four to the damage, three from there's too many and one from the champion of bone. 
and this is only a six-point unit. Uh, you know, it's not like I'm investing like nine points to make this unit be able to one-shot. I can invest such little amount in this unit, and I have so many other units, uh, three being raiders that are all pretty uh, tanky for their point costs, uh, to kind of like stall my opponent while my Bone Lord Chosen and the threat of the Thens having Harma with Sentinel uh, can just kind of do their thing. Um, and then you you obviously have Mance, uh, who has, like, you know, with his, uh, uh, what's that card called? The one that does the auto wounds. I should know this. Probably. Talking or, about uh, Wildling Diplomacy or... Yeah, that one. So that that card is like a, a there. It's obviously a key card against a lot of things, but in particular for the Baratheon matchup, the uh, uh, Stagnite Noble uh, is that what they're called? Or the Dragonstone Noble? Um, the Dragonstone Noble yeah. solo uh, only has three wounds. So um, if I'm not mistaken, it does D3 plus one. So you have a 66% chance that the Dragonstone Noble just dies. Uh, which means you f- it's almost a guarantee force your opponent to not take anything on the board. There's just, I don't think I've ever seen a Baratheon player actually risk it and just go, I need this zone that bad, uh, because that Dragonstone Noble is just way more valuable than whatever zone that they plan to take. Um, uh, and then, obviously, Mance with his bubble, but then you, you got Tormund giving Stalwart, you got the two Warlord's Chieftains giving um, Iron Resolve, uh, and now Mance's bubble is a lot more flexible because uh, the only two units that necessarily care to be in it is definitely the Followers because they're a seven, but then the Fens who are a six, um, you know, or you just you throw the uh, the, Wal- the Raiders with Walrus Chieftain within the bubble, and now you have a... Uh, for morale, they're normally a seven. They go to a five because of Mance, and then the Iron Resolve makes them a four. Now they're a they're a five up save with uh, resilience, with a four up morale and minus one to the damage to offset the plus one to the damage. Um, and then you just you know soak up everything from your opponent. Um, so uh, it's a list I like, uh, but Mance is a bit too strong. Um, uh, he has some, you know, and then I can't tell you how many times with the long plan, which is one of Mance's cards, I'll, if I get that card, I almost immediately just use it to go find the other long plan and then use that long plan to get the card I initially wanted and just filter my deck uh, because I don't want to have to rely on my opponent having the letter. So, like, let's say I, ha- I get that and I use it to get the card I want. Now I still have a long plan in my deck, but I might draw it on the turn where my opponent doesn't take the letter. Um, and now I'm sitting with this card in my hand that isn't doing me a lot of good. Uh, so the card is amazing, don't get me wrong. But I'd rather just capitalize on it when I can and then... Uh, and then be done with it. Filter my deck. Try to get the you know the insanely good cards like uh, Endless Horde or There's Too Many. But so yeah, that's kind of my little bit of a rant about my list. Uh, you know, like I said, I could care less. My opponent opponents uh, are like listening to this and 
you know, plotting away. I mean, you know, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, not me. Not me. My um, lists are closely guarded like the Coca-Cola recipe. Uh, nobody's <laughs> going to find out what I'm running until the day of. Not really. It matter. But, uh, so yeah, that list is a little bit, a little bit more traditional, although you have a few views of what the normal meta would be. And I think that, uh, all in the attachments that you're running. Now, I love the Waller plant pieces. I like that uh, the, the resilience order, even though orders do have a few counters nowadays with, like you said, uh, the uh, sabotage is subvert, you've got the Davos NCU, you have abilities like, uh, or parts like winter is coming that can turn off orders. Uh, but they can't turn off everything. They're not going to turn off that uh, that Iron Resolve and the Bant bubble, so they're still going to have some staying power. Uh, so I do like that concept, but it's always a tricky balancing act with free folk. Do I bring these four points worth of attachments, or do I bring a whole another activation, with be it another yep. or another unit on the field? And it's, it's always difficult way which is more important. Now, with that list that you have, your strength is the resilience of your unit. And you're going to get to a point and the, your opponent is going to break themselves trying to get rid of these units. They're are essentially going to be worthless as far as the game goes. So that's where your strength is, not bringing in another cheap unit that, yes, will complete the activation way, but it, it's not going to have that resilience. It's not not as in resilience or but resilience in general, that staying power on the field. So I do get where you're coming from with that concept of you're getting one of the points for free because right uh, uh, is that still called uh, adaptable or adaptive? Is that what they have or is that just something that you, that you're going to get? For that, which one? That, oh, that, the uh, Raiders. I forget. If, I forgot if the Raiders' ability is called adaptive, like uh, the mercenaries were, or if they had a different name. Uh, I believe yeah. it's called adaptive. Yes, adaptive. So you're getting one of those points for free on the Raiders. So you're basically paying five points for a Raider. It's going to have more staying power than almost any other five-point unit in the game. Besides maybe uh, an emboldened master, uh, unit of uh, Baratheon wardens, you know, with their just their armor, but you can you can do as many wounds as you want to. They're going to be halved by that result. It's a crazy order uh, that you, you, the only way to get around it is through abilities that cut off orders. And not every list has them. Some some of them are commander specific, some of them are unit specific, and and some of them are, are specific to the entity user tactics cards. And you might not have that combo. If you don't have that combo running into a bunch of resilience, you're gonna be in for a long day. Because those units are not gonna go away. Uh, now I have tried playing with resilience with uh, Sir Robert Strong. And he doesn't have the panic uh, resilience. He's got the hits resilience, but if you put him in a unit that has bad morale, you're going to die from panic. That's just how it is. Yeah. 
Um, that's what happened. Put him in a unit of Mountains Men. It's a nine-point unit. It's pretty beefy, but it's going to be hitting hard. You're guaranteed wounds every time it hits. You're probably going to stay ahead on rank every time you take the swing. So your ability is always going to be beyond. But between taking a couple hits and taking panic damage or getting hit by the ground or other panic effects, you just can't hang. That's very sad. It makes me sad. I was hoping Robert Strong was going to be was going to be a thing, but it's unfortunately too many points and not an ideal unit to put him in. If you're trying for staying power, I guess you might be able to put him in Warrior Sun and uh, get some resilience from the pseudo-hardened and the good morale and his resilience, but, uh, but now you're talking 10 points for an infantry. It's just too much. But I do love resilience as an order. In fact, I'm trying to run more lists that include it sub-level of order control, if I can manage it, because there are very powerful orders in the game. And one of the one of the reasons why I dislike Brackman so much is that Davos NCU, or the start of his turn, he knows he's going to charge into this unit that has, you know, Lannister Supremacy, or Resilience, or Step for Charge, and he can say, no, you don't have that ability anymore. And now you're very sad. That's just my life playing Baratheon. He's so good. I'm, I'm amazed he doesn't get run more. But Davos NCU is such a good that that has that ability to just say, no, you can't, you can't do your stuff. I, I think he even blocks tactics cards. It's just insane. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a solid list. It goes a little bit away from the conventional, which I like. I like going quick. Um, and yeah, thank you. All right, now uh, what's you? What are you running? <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Not, not, not going to work. I don't even know. It, truth be told, I don't even know what the hell faction I'm. It could be Nightwatch. It could be Lannister. It could be Baratheon. I don't even have Baratheon in hand yet. They're being shipped from me from the UK tomorrow. And but if I get them. And I, I really want to, to dish out the punishment that I've been feeling the last several months. I'll, I'll, I might run Baratheon. Nice. Now, are you um, you going to use uh, the last chance qualifier as like a test to test out your main list, or are you, uh, you looking to no, test out I don't think we're going to be else. in town by then. Uh, we did, uh, both me and Kurt are driving up together. We did take Thursday off, but we're going to be spending most of that day driving. So I, unless that event goes into the evening and we make it in town early somehow, uh, we might swing by there to see what's going on. But I could almost assert, uh, certainly say that uh, we wouldn't be playing because we'll just be coming off the road. Uh, so pretty much all of my playtesting is going to have to happen here in town through our weekly play dates or uh, play dates. Wow. What am I? Five. Uh, our <laughs> weekly uh, open play nights and then uh, maybe some a couple of extra weekends in there just to find good stuff. Nice. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I'll probably do 
Greyjoys and or Free Folk one day and the opposite the other. But, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, it's uh, Gen Con is coming up quick. And there's always a chance I might run something else, but uh, it's doubtful. Um, who knows, though? I do. I can guarantee you whatever I do play for both events will be completely fully painted, so I will be limited to those options. And currently that is uh, um, Greyjoys, uh, Baratheon, Stark, and Boltons. I'm currently working on my Free Folk. Uh, I came up with a, a very solid scheme that is very quick, so it's it's pleasing to look at at a distance and okay to look at up close, but it's it's like super basic. I uh, um, I think I did all six of my Raider units in two and a half days. Uh, <laughs> it what was it? Uh, I just um, spray painted them uh, skeleton bone from the Army Painter spray paint uh, primer line. I then just hit the entire model with Agrax uh, Earthshade uh, wash from the GW line and then use contrast paints right over that, you know, because I know, like, you know, they tell you to, you know, use the contrast paints over, you know, their uh, um, gray sear, wraith bone, or uh, um, Citadel white spray paints, but the, they, the contrast... They tell you that. Yeah. So, they'll, so you'll pay $20 for primer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why they well, do that. I went right over the, um, even the the Agrax over this other primer, and it turned out great. Uh, I did uh, Ultramarine's blue uh, contrast over all the fur. Um, I then did uh, Black Templar um, contrast over all of the weapons. Uh, and then I did like the hair, uh, what did I do? Snake bite leather or something like that. I think it's called for the contrast. And then I just hit the entire model with a white dry brush to give them a frosted look as if, you know, they had just trucked through a bunch of snow and they're just, they're cold, they're, they're tired. They're just frosted over. Um, then I just uh, put some tufts on the, on the bases or as far as the bases, I did, um, Astro Granite. Um, it's, it's like a, a gravelly uh, paint because it's like has texture to it. For those that haven't used it before, you let it dry. Then I dry brush um, uh, like a dark gray, like a medium gray, and then like a white. Uh, and then I put like a tough on there. I dry brush the tough with a white to give it like again a frosted look. And then I just put a bunch of the uh, Valhalla Blizzard uh, technical uh, like snow effect from GW line as well. Uh, and like I said, it took two and a half days to do six units. Uh, I'm hoping, um, I if I'm lucky, I'll actually have the entire army painted by Gen Con. Um, and that's kind of the goal. But we'll see um, if I decide uh, to run. That's impressive. That's, that's yeah. impressive being able to pull that off. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Well, oh yeah, and there, I would say I've done an entire army of conquest um, in all contrasts, and it looks decent, um, and it does save you some time. 
So it's, it definitely has some application. I think it's best used in junction with regular paints. Um, but uh, the free folk just have so many models. I didn't want to take as long as I did with my Greyjoys because my Greyjoys are, you know, I, I spent like, I don't know, two, two to three hours per model uh, for my Greyjoys, uh, like an insane amount of time. And that was the last army I just finished painting. Uh, and so going into my free folk, I was like, how can I make these look great from a distance, but just power through the faction? Um, and so that's kind of how I came up with the scheme that I did. Uh, now, uh, you know, I kind of play it by ear. So, like, I also have a very quick uh, scheme for my Lannisters. Um, but I need to catch I just did like one model of each unit uh, just to kind of see what they would look like done. Um, but I do need to, once I finish up these free folk, I need to get back to my Stark and Baratheons because my um, Stark are only like half painted now because I swapped out a lot of the Berserkers and Sworn Swords with the new sculpts. So whereas I... I think I mentioned it before, I have, I had, technically I still have six units of painted Sworn Swords and four units of painted Berserkers, um, but I'm going to be looking to sell a lot of my uh, surplus of Starks, um, just because, you know, when the game first dropped and the only factions you could get were Starks, Lannisters, and, you know, Boltons, I kind of went a little overboard with Stark because they were the, my favorite faction, and I just, you know, I wanted to be able to run any list I could imagine, whether that be spam this, spam that, or a mixture of this and that. I just went overboard. I had, like, five, uh, you know, oh, that, and it was cheap, you know, you know, with the starter box. Um, so, but anyway, so my Starks are only like 50% done now. At one point, they were like 95% done at, at the moment that the Stark attachment box, box dropped. But that's, I kind of stopped painting them to then go to my Baratheons. But then I never picked my Starks back up to paint basically from the attachments box on. Um, and so much has released for them now that I'm a bit behind. And then same thing with Baratheons. I, I went kind of nuts and painted them all up uh, all the way through. You know, I have like I have five wardens painted. I would have six, but I uh, sold the sixth one to uh, Jose. Uh, with, uh, I know he's been kind of on hiatus, but, you know, with small council radio. Um, and then did, uh, you know, three sentinels, three stagnites, uh, and what else in there? Um, what am I blanking on? What else came with? There's two of them, one of them, one of them, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I have, like, again, like, I would say about 40% with my Baratheons. But at one point, I had, like, basically 100% Baratheons painted. But it was, like, um, whatchamacallit. Uh, I stopped in order to paint something else. But I just, long story short, I need to get back to my Baratheons and Starks and just, you know, calm down my OCD that's bugging the heck out of me knowing that I have so much painted but so much unpainted for those two factions. Yeah, one thing I like about running Night's Watch is they are incredibly easy to paint. 
all you need is a lot of black. Just black, black Templar, no big good. Um, but actually one thing that I've noticed here lately is I did pick up that big mega set of uh, Army Painter Speed Paint. And I really like those. They're probably just as good as the contrast paints, and they're cheaper. So I'm probably going to be leaning towards them uh, as I uh, continue on in my, uh, we'll just call it amateur painting career. I am not a good painter. <laughs> I don't put a whole lot of time in it, although I do like how my Night's Watch Heroes Box 3 turned out. Again, using a lot of black, but it wasn't just black. Um, but if I'm ever going to win best painted at a tournament, it's going to be with these Baratheons that I bought. Because let me tell you, Victoria Angel, who I bought the lot from, is a much better painter than I am. I mean, they, they got uh, this Remy uh, Honor Guard thing uh, in anticipation of the Rainbow Guard. I mean, it just it looks great. And just every unit that's painted uh, it looks brilliant. So... That's my only chance I'm ever going to have of winning best painters if I take those brackets. So I might actually take them a bracket and see what I can, what I can get with it. Um, so I was thinking, uh, since you messed it, I don't know if you got it. Have we talked about the Lannister Honor Guard review? Uh, we have not. Actually, funny you bring that up. I have it uh, right here. I was uh, thinking, you know, if we had a little time, we would. Uh, I was thinking the same thing you were. Yep, uh, it's going to get last billing on the show because it deserves last billing on the show. This is not a unit that we wanted to center a whole episode around. Um, the only reason why I even thought about it is what I was going to think about as far as painting it goes because uh, Army Painter Seed Paint uh, do recommend you priming in a metallic or painting in a metallic and then using their seed paint over it. And looking at the picture for the unit, priming in a gold metallic and then doing a red uh, uh, contrast or seed paint over it could be really cool looking. But it's one of those things I'll have to experiment in the future. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about this unit because this unit is uh, a little All right. So for it, this unit, uh, to kind of go over its stats real quick, it is a uh, – do we have the points somewhere? I thought I had the points. It is eight points. Eight points. That is too low. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say um, – so I'll, we'll talk about points in a minute, but it has a four move. A hits on threes with seven, six, five for dice a 3-up save, a 5-up morale, and it has Lannister oppre uh, Oppression. I believe that's what it says. Uh, Lannister Oppression, it's a melee uh, ability. It's a long ability, but it's all uh, one ability. Before rolling attack dice, you may expend condition tokens on the defender to gain the following. Uh, I'm uh, assuming the way that's worded is intended that you can expend multiple. So if you have all three tokens, you could expend all three and get all three effects. Uh, first is 
If you expend a panic token, until the end of the turn, Defender loses any abilities and may not be the target of friendly tactics cards. If you expend a vulnerable, attack may reroll any attack dice. After completing this attack, restore two wounds for each of the Defender's ranks destroyed by this attack. And if you expend a weakened, attacks roll highest attack die value and gain sundering. Um, yeah, uh, it's hard to say. This unit seems, I don't know, I'll let you take it off because I, I kind of have mixed feelings about this unit. Okay, so this unit is kind of cool. But it's not that cool. Let me tell you, it's not eight points in Lannister's cool. Eight points in Lannister can get you a lot. It can get you a hard-hitting unit with a decent attachment. It can get you a, a, a ranged unit with a, a, an attachment. It can get you two NCUs, or it can get you heavy cavalry. Two options of heavy cavalry, in fact. Instead of doing any of those things, you are bringing this singular infantry that has or speed, it doesn't throw any more dice than any other aggressive unit in the game. It does have six on its second rank, but a lot of units have six dice on their second rank nowadays, including ranged units. Uh, three armor, good. A lot of Lannisters, well, not a lot of Lannisters. Several Lannister units have three armor. Five morale is a perk. Lannisters don't have good morale, but you're having to pay through the nose to get it. Five morale is, is great, but it's not, it, again, it's not impervious. You can still make this unit fail its morale test, even though it has five morale, just to suffer a modifier for bad luck. So having five morale, while good, it is not enough to make this unit essentially worth it. Now, you have to look at its ability to see what it brings above and beyond its standard stats. Having to spend condition tokens to gain abilities is rough because, according to how this is worded, you don't get the benefit of spending the token. If you spend the vulnerable first before rolling attack dice, you don't get to spend it to have them re-roll their defense dice or their panic and if you spend a weekend, you don't get to spend it later to have them re-roll their attack dice. It's gone. You're only getting the benefit that's on the card. And aside from the panic token, I'm not sure the benefit is strong enough to outweigh what you're losing from that because tokens are key to this game. The tokens allow you to get rid of the skew of lucky dice rolls. I mean, we've been there. Your opponent rolled a bunch of saves that well above what their average should have been for their saves, but you have a vulnerable token on them, and you make them re-roll them, and then they get what the number of saves are supposed to be. But with this, you don't get it. If your opponent gets a lucky morale save or a lucky defense save, you're stuck. Even though you spent the investment getting those tokens out onto the field, you're having to spend them to gain abilities. And if you don't have tokens out on the field, this unit has no extra abilities beyond their base stats for eight points. I'm sorry. 
this is bad. This is really bad, especially considering that one of the ability or one of the ways that Lannisters was able to get reliable tokens out was nerfed in the last patch. They used to be able to get reliable Warcry from a cheap uh, uh, Warfellow unit. And since uh, the Warfellows got nerfed, I, I, I know I still see people running Champion of the Faith and Sixth Morale units. It's not worth it for me because that Sixth Morale is still just not reliable enough. Now you could run in Bolden or you can run a tree and be able to get that reliability back. But even so, if you're, if you're looking for your Warcry, you want it on a unit that, that is more reliable because when you're missing this, when you're missing that ability, perhaps even multiple times in a game, I mean, it could happen over the course of six rounds on a morale six, you're probably expected to miss it twice. And to run a unit that is solely relying on those tokens, if you miss that morale cry, this, this unit is just a black hole of uh, man, I'm sorry. I don't see it with this. Because it's slow, it's expensive, and it's relying on outside factors to get your, your value back. Not for me, man. I might get them, and I might paint them up and hope for a, uh, hope for a buff in the future. But they're not something that I see myself running anytime soon. Yeah, and... Uh, do we know that it's eight points because we saw the back or because it was just revealed that it was eight points? Yeah, okay, does back. it have any stipulations? No, no stipulations. So, like, you could run as many of these as you want, not that you would want to, but you yeah, could? Yeah, I mean, you could run four and two NCUs. I mean, that'll be fun. I just mean, uh, like, you don't have to put it with any commander in particular or limit or nothing? No. Okay. Um yeah, so the reason I had a mixed feeling about this unit is because, you know, they lead with Panic Token, which I think is amazing. That that part is amazing. But when you look at what you're getting for expending a Vulnerable, more often than not, you're only going to do one rank in the attack because you have no keywords without then also expending a weekend to get sundering so let's just assume that you're not going to be able to because realistically you're only going to be able to do one of these abilities at a time in uh in most cases because it's a lot of times you know if you get two tokens on your opponent your opponent then does something that takes one of them away and you're left with one so the taking away the vulnerable to possibly heal two wounds um, is iffy. So that that is not great. I think, uh, um, I don't know. Uh, and then the weekend, expending a weekend to roll your highest attack die and gain sundering is okay. I'm not going to say it's not great, uh, but it's not like, you know, some amazing ability. It's like a wash. But if it's a wash, then really like, you know, are you paying for this? I'm, I, I'm guessing you are. You know, they're eight points, you know, because they're definitely not paying for those eight points in their stats. So, um, but the panic token, expending a panic token um, to defender loses all or any abilities and may not be the target of friendly tactics cards, that is huge. But that does not make up for the other two. Um, 
Not to mention, one of the reliable ways to make them get tokens is, uh, let me look it up real quick. Um, apologies. Is Trant. Um, and he gives, uh, if you control the crown when the unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, the defender becomes panicked and weakened. So you can get the two of the better of the abilities. You got the really good one with the panic token, and then the kind of the wash for the weakened. But now you're looking at nine points, and you need to control the crown to make this combo work. Um, so I want to like this unit, but you compare it to even just, let's say, a uh, guardsman. Uh, let me pull the card back up. And so the guardsman's going to move four. The guardsman's going to have the same defense. The guardsman's going to have two less morale, so that is significant. Um, but uh, for the attack, uh, you hit one better and only have one more die on each rank. One more die on each rank and hitting one better. So instead of fours, you're hitting on threes. Uh, but then at least the, land, uh, the guardsmen are three points cheaper uh, and have Lannister Supremacy, which is amazing. It's a, an amazing ability. Um, so I don't know. I think these guys would be really solid. I'm not saying like amazing because I still think they'd have to compete with Warrior Sons and Pyromancers, but at seven points, these guys are a lot more um, desirable. What do you think? Yeah, eight points is just too much, especially with them being... I mean, you're wanting to get them into combat and start trying to use those abilities to try to to tie something up, but you're going to be slow getting there, and you're eating up so much of your point capital that you're not going to have backup. I mean, this is the centerpiece of your army, and it's slow, and it doesn't have any ability beyond a base stat you don't start getting tokens out. Now, I know Marin Trance is an option. You're like adding more points to the unit. In fact, I think that real viable way of getting some benefit out of these guys that commander bunkers is just getting commander abilities for free essentially. But Lancers don't have any commanders that throw out tokens aside from Tywin who throws out the weakened token. And Tywin is not in a good place right now. So they don't even have a whole lot of synergy within their own faction as far as being able to pick out or well, not to, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, not to mention the fact, you know, Broken Resolve wants you to not expend that weakened token. Um, exactly. Or, you know, I guess you do have uh, with the other card to expend the weakened token to become a vulnerable and panicked, but uh, but then, like, you are got to first then use Tywin to throw the token, then you got to play the card to turn it into two other tokens, one of which not being all that great, the vulnerable one, as far as the abilities. The panicked, again, is, in my opinion, amazing. But, but yeah, you're just, you're so slow. And I none of the commanders uh, jump out at me as, like, amazing 
for this eight point unit because that's kind of what you're looking at when you see a, a hefty cost unit like this uh, with what looks like some obscure potential that you don't really see initially your first go-to is okay what commander because now you can kind of in your mind justify it a little better knowing that you're not spending any more than eight points but yeah none of the commanders really jump out at at me as uh um like a go-to for this unit i would have much rather this unit be like a go what was that the one that does is actually adam marbrand adding hardened and iron resolve does add to the already defensive abilities that the unit that already has and that pushes them to, to a three armor four morale which is i mean it's amazing when you think about it, but now your commander unit is locked into that unit, still eight points. You're going to have to find another way to generate your token. Uh, man, that is, that's a really sturdy unit, but good God. Uh, the speed and the, the, the lack of ability, I just keep coming back to it. It, it just, it, it floors me. I mean, it would have been one thing if, you got to spend the token and also gain the benefits of the tokens. Like let's say you attack a unit that is vulnerable and you spent the vulnerable token and you got those abilities in addition to making your opponent re-roll their defense dice. And that would have been one thing. But having to spend these tokens just for the ability to print them on the card, it's rough. Yeah. Well, I mean, could you imagine also, you know, getting – like facing Night's Watch and then having him play Fire the Burns against the Cold uh, and then just go, okay, well, I'm just going to lose a couple models uh, if I'm full rank or max ranks, lose one model if I'm on one or on two ranks, and then just you can't even put tokens on me if I'm at last rank. <laughs> there are right, so many no factions abilities. that have abilities to mess with tokens. I mean, Baratheons yeah. have tags with. I mean, you're so desperate to throw out tokens, and the Baratheons can just say, nope. That's why she can say, oh, nope, no tokens. Uh, yeah. yeah. It starts with Catlin, and then just the money bag. And then the weakened token, you're having to spend it out of your normal time that you would be spending a weakened token. Uh, you're spending a weakened token defensively, in this case, offensively. I mean, why couldn't you gain the benefit of if you spend a weakened token units that are engaged with this unit or minus one to hit for the round or something? I don't know. Just something that actually makes sense for spending the weakened token, you know, as defense, like it's intended instead of for offense, which is the offense that you're gaining isn't even that much. You're gaining Sundering, which is nice, but it's it's minor in the grand scheme of things of, of token play. Said when I started my rant on this thing, token play is a big deal in the game, uh, and and factions and, and units that can play the token game effectively have a really good shot because it does mitigate the the luck factor of some of the dice rolls. And uh, unless you're Brett from Nationals this last year a lucky die roll does get wiped out by having a token on it. Unless you roll a yep. token. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're almost... aside from that... You're... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 I was done. 
Okay. I was going to say you're almost better off just paying one extra point and throwing the Stormcrow Lieutenant in there just so you don't ever have to spend that weekend, and then you have the alternate way of getting Heist, Attack, Die, and Sundering. You just control the money bag, <laughs> which you already want as Lannisters. So, <laughs> all right, now I don't have to use that uh, that weekend token. I could just leave it on you. I had to spend a point to do it, but... Um, but here we are. If you're going full meme, just go ahead and run Robert Strong and uh, (laughs) 11 point units of slow ass tank that is going to take forever to move across (laughs) the field. And if if you can avoid getting tokens on your unit, you're only worried about the two wounds that it might deal to you at some point whenever it gets to your Oh, it's so rough being a Lancer player these days. And they've, they've actually started doing well. We were talking about that in one of our uh, previous episodes. And Lancers are actually moving up in the rankings. It seems like the Heroes Box 3 is doing them good. Not <laughs> They're wrong, actually... The commanders are probably doing them good. See, that's... It's it's a trick. They're not actually moving up. It's just everything else is moving down. But hear me out. Hear me out. What was the thing? Yeah. Uh, run Jamie Lannister, the young lion. Give them stalwart to be a three-up morale, and they'll have martial training to throw that vulnerable token on them and get re-rolls. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Uh, but I was thinking, I was thinking, uh, actually, if you're going to go ten points, uh, go Ramsey Snow Status with Reek. He's going to throw out your panic tokens. You're going to gain fueled by slaughter and intimidating presence. Uh, that unit's never going to die. You're going to you're going to keep healing and you're going to keep cutting off your opponent's abilities. Uh, that's, if you're going to spend 10 points on something for fun, throw Ramsey and a unit of Honor Guard. It's, it's fun as all <laughs> Yeah, and it's disappointing too. When I saw the sculpts and the image for these guys, I was super excited. Um, so, I don't know. I don't think they're... I'm going to go out go on the line and say I don't think they're trash. Um, but you're really not going to see much play out of these guys uh, at eight points. Um, you know, they're an interesting design. I like the concept. I think it's just you have to build too much of your list to be able to support them just so that they can pool their own weight, uh, and that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of investment um, to make, you know, a unit, just kind of work how it's supposed to because uh, you're relying on other factors to put those tokens out there. Now you have, you know, what are the reliable ways uh, we can get tokens? So you got uh, Roos for some panic tokens. You got uh, Pycelle for some weakened tokens. Um, I would just say Tywin just because he gives out weakened tokens. Um, then you got Trant and give out a panicked and weakened. Um, then, I mean, heck, if you go with like... Uh, Tywin Bomb, six-point Tywin NCU. I mean, if you're going to be spending a bunch yeah. of points, might as well spend a bunch of points everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 
three activations and <laughs> just run Tywin, uh, Roos, and uh, Pycelle and CUs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's tokens. Keep throwing them out there. And then you don't have to worry about tokens from anything else. You just run it strictly in your NCUs. <laughs> Good God. Uh, so. That makes me so sad. <laughs> but, you, you don't know, think they're cracked. I think they are. I, I do. I think that they are, are. They might be one of the worst uh, units in the game. Now, does that mean that they have, don't have any potential? No. You might be able to pull off some fun stuff with it. But it requires so much babysitting. It's insane. It's, it's, it's Honor Guard or Flayed Men or Knights of Cash Relief. <laughs> you don't have to babysit those units. You don't have to give them more things for them to do their work. Would it be nice if you threw a panic token on an enemy that was getting attacked by Flayed Men? Probably. But it's not vital for them to do their thing. It's, it's not essential. And, and if you have your nice Cashly Rock, is it good for them to, that unit to be vulnerable? Absolutely. But it doesn't have to be for them to actually work. It's, it's maddening. That this, this, now, I, I do agree with you. I like the design concept, but the package for this unit is just so bad. Oh, it hurts my head. And my heart. How about this? What if you there's if you look at the card? There's a tiny little a, a, a space left on the the ability side of it. What if they added one caveat at the very bottom that said after the completion of a melee attack, place one condition token on your opponent or on the defender? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Is that some recycling? But you still don't get to spend it for an actual intended purpose. I mean, yeah, you would be able to take the weakened token back so that you can use the weakened token on their next attack. But uh, no, no, I still don't see it. <laughs> oh, well, I tried. But I just feared, you know, you would still have to init- initially throw a token out there. Uh, to get any effect initially, but then after that, you could kind of start fueling your own tokens, but it would only be one at a time. Uh, so you wouldn't just be like, you know, Baratheons and go, Baratheon Justice, and throw all the tokens. You know, this this unit would be amazing in Baratheons. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> With all of the yeah, automatic and, tokens. Yeah, and it's not just the Lannister angst here, because there's plenty of that rolling over in cash for the rock. So when this unit got revealed... I mean, there was discussion. We probably wouldn't play this at seven points. There was a lot of people that wouldn't play this at six points. It's that bad. Now, I think that that is going way too far because I'd pay six points for a three-arm or five-up morale with blank abilities because Francis is so desperate for morale. Uh, but still don't think anything because, yeah, you can get some funky shenanigans going with, with uh, the token aspect, if you get the tokens on the enemy unit and you attack them, things will happen, but you've got to get there first. And it's, it's yep. one of the slowest units in the game. And, and uh, aggressive units like that aren't that slow. Any other aggressive unit in the game is not for movement. You could say that maybe champions of the stag, but they're cavalry. They get a free cavalry. So they're uh, a little bit faster than an infantry unit anyway. So, yeah, 
aggressive units like this, they're not, they're not meant to be. I understand, yeah, heavy armor, they're supposed to be moving slowly. I don't know. Give them, you know what I would have liked? If they would have had these abilities like Baratheon banners on the Kingsguard, just another unit that has the, the you know, one-time really cool spend abilities like the Kingsguard do. I think they're fun. And I would have liked to have seen these abilities maybe like that instead. But uh, no, no, they're, they're attached to tokens. And yeah, yeah. Don't have anything else to say about it. It, it just uh, it just uh, hurts me too much. Yeah, looking at the image, their shield is so big. You would think they have like shield wall or something. <laughs> shield wall, two armor. Like if you drop them down to two armor and make them as crazy as the, the champion bag eighty, we can talk. And three armor is good. Two armor is insane. Um, I don't think any unit in the game should be too armor. In fact, it's just so unpleasant to play against, uh, especially if you don't have thundering. If you're going head-to-head with a unit too armor that doesn't have thundering, you're going to go long way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're armored head-to-toe with a giant-ass shield. Uh, these Honor Guard are supposed to be the highest trained unit uh, that Masters have to offer uh, with the most expensive armor that money can buy and they have good stats but other units have better stats and better abilities and you don't have to pay points for it it's uh it's rough yep. in Alaska. no it'd be really cool you know this is kind of going out there and you know it's just kind of like a concept that had in my head as you're like kind of once we start talking about like shield wall and everything you were kind of mentioning just be kind of cool like even just like a redesign of you know say they have like a two-up armor and just get rid of this whole lannister oppression uh thing and just go like the route of you know uh just these guys on the field that are like you know um you know, you give them. You could even keep them at eight points because I think with all the abilities I'm about to mention it would make them crazy good. But I don't think it'd be overpowered. But it'd be a really cool concept. Is give them shield wall. You give them another ability like brace or something. I don't know what you'd call it. But every time this unit is attacked by a ranged attack, they get to shift two inches. Um, so they could continuously shift forward if you're trying to shoot them. Um, as if like they have their shields out blocking and then you're shooting them and they're just like you know pushing their shield forward um and then you have like the order follow me or whatever it was called uh that like some other units have had where um start of uh any turn a friendly turn enemy turn i forget which trigger it had uh another unit within short can uh get a free maneuver or a shift i think it was i think they changed it to a shift because it used to be a uh um a maneuver and now they're kind of like leading the charge like hey guys you know we're 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 at the front of this uh formation come follow us and you know they're kind of encouraging everyone around them and then lastly you follow it up with embolden kind of like how the tully cavaliers have this embolden effect you could have them have this embolden and so now you have shield wall with a two-up save um you really don't have a lot of offensive potential but that's not what the unit is meant for. You got the shield wall, 
you got the shifting every time they're shot with a ranged attack, so you're really going to want to just get the, into combat with these guys, and even when you do, they're going to be a tank. Um, you then uh, are, uh, you know, the follow me, or what, again, I forget what it's called, but you have other units move up with you so that they're not kind of on their own, and then you have the, the embolden. These guys are like the centerpiece of your army, kind of just really uh, being that rock. Um, and, you know, no pun intended. Uh, but I don't know. What do you think? I know it was kind of out there, and it was like a complete redesign almost. But but do you at least see what I, I guess what I'm getting at? Yeah, I was following. That sounds like so much fun. That sounds like something that you can build an army around and cause a whole lot of trouble for your opponent. I mean, there was so many ways that they could have taken this unit. Now, this is a new way that they took the unit with uh, token manipulation being tied to their abilities. Good God, man. This seems like something that might have been designed a couple of years ago and might have fit the game maybe early on in 1.4, 1.5. The way that the game has gone, it, it kind of left this kind of design behind. Slow-moving infantry doesn't really fit. This, this open manipulation thing doesn't really fit. But with your ideas, I mean, that would be so cool to have a unit that, that isn't really necessarily the offensive centerpiece, but that you could still build your army around, be able to still have the options of putting your commander to give them different abilities that could key into what you're doing in the game. That's what I like. I love that this unit yep. is, is well, and, not what I like. <laughs> this is not my type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as prize they didn't just go ahead and say limit one, then I guess, you know, maybe there's, like, sales to, like, think about. But, I mean, at eight points, I mean, I can't imagine, even at, let's say these guys were, like, really good. I can't imagine people would ever even buy more than two boxes, but would probably still only buy one box, even if these guys were really good. Um, so I'm confused. Like, I just feared they would go along the same lines as the other honor guard type stuff and just be limit one. Your commander goes in it, or even, like, certain commanders. Like, uh, that way you could even limit the, you know, you could kind of, like I was saying, uh, with those, all those other abilities, because, like, a two-up save with shield wall could get a little ridiculous with Adam Marbrand, but right. you could always add the caveat of limit one and they have to be fielded with either Jamie, uh, Kevin, or Tywin. Uh, and the only reason I don't add Joffrey in there because he has his King's Guard uh, that makes more sense. You know, he's not like the leader of Castle Rock. He's, you know, he's the leader of, you know, the, um, uh, uh, the, oh, why can't I think of the name? <laughs> um, of the castle. Um, anyways, so so yeah, you just add that caveat. So now you just have to worry about the unit having what Lannister supremacy and the weakened token, uh, Jamie's uh, what counter strike and disrupt, uh, and then um, Kevin's uh, Lannister supremacy and the was it orders of the crown or something like that. So like See, something now, like that would be amazing. Yeah, when I heard these guys. Uh, which was almost like a year prior to uh, to the reveal. Uh, they, these guys have been rumored in text 
for a long time. But when I first heard about them, I thought that they were going to be linked to Thomas, that it was going to be a similar situation to the way that Joffrey is, where Tommen has to be attached to the honor guard, and maybe these guys are supposed to be guarding Tommen before he became king, or or these guys are going to be tied to Tywin or Kevin. In fact, they could have done it to where these guys would only have a Lannister named commander. So someone with the last name of Lannister. You could include Tyrion in there. You can include Jamie in there. But they would have to be a named Lannister as their commander. Uh, so you couldn't include. Uh, but I think that that would have been pretty cool. You couldn't do Mark Rand. You couldn't do Gregor. Uh, I was actually thinking that it would go with something along those lines. Um, I would have liked that. I do like the concept behind uh, powerful chief units that have a drawback, like Eddard's Honor Guard. They're really strong, probably a lot stronger than their six points would allow, but the drawback is you can only run one commander with them. Uh, the King's Guard, I do, I, even though Joffrey struggles, I still like running Joffrey. I still like running the King's Guard. I think they're just so such a cool unit, such a potentially versatile unit with the way the Baratheon banners work. Right now. Um, we're running out of time for the show, uh, but I wanted to run one idea by you that I was thinking about as you was talking about the potential ideas that the Honor Guard could have. I thought for, for no reason, as I was sitting here listening, I thought of what the, a solo unit that's similar to like the drowned men or the freed men that just have a couple little models. And, and imagine this, okay? They're, they have an order, or, or maybe not an order, a once per game, that this unit may adopt any unit in the game or any ability in the game for a round. So once per game, this unit can gain one ability, any ability in the game. I think that would be cool as hell. It just, I don't know what you'd call it. I don't know if you'd call it the, the, the faceless training or, or whatnot, but they're just the, the versatility that you can imagine a faceless have and being able to copy or mimic uh, a, a person. Uh, the business being able to look like them and act like them and have their, their traits. I don't know. I think that that could be a cool thing in the future. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I think I like the idea. Um, as, again, as you're kind of saying that, I think, um, you know, because what are the face, faceless men? They're basically people for hire, right? You know, it, it would make sense that they'd be neutral, that you could run them. But what would you think to their a X point attachment that you attach into your opponent's unit and then uh, – you can steal abilities from the unit that you put them in uh, and grant them um, to a unit of yours, but only within, like, short range or something. Okay. So that's, that's and, actually really cool. Uh, I was thinking – I don't know if that would be a faceless men concept because I wouldn't think that they would, like, be able to uh, psionically transfer their abilities to someone else. But I thought about like a spy, 
you know, a, a set of spots, yeah. and you spend two points, one for each attachment. You put one attachment in one of your units and put the other attachment in one of your enemy's units, and you gain all of the abilities in that enemy on the unit that you have your other spy in. I think that'd be cool as hell. Yeah, I think uh, there's, like, so much, like, cool potential they could do with the Faceless Men. Um, and, you know, they could even do multiple of them. Like, they they, they could do, like, the solo, um, like you were mentioning, and, like, some uh, enemy slash, like, enemy and friendly attachment combo. Uh, like, they could do, like, all of it. It could actually be, like, its own sub-faction, but not, like, actual faction, if that makes sense. Like, they'll have, like, all these faceless men things but you wouldn't be able to run an army of them because they would all be just pieces you know you could have like you already have jackin who's the ncu for the faceless men and so he would be you would have an ncu uh in that category then you could have like a solo in that category then you could have an attachment slash enemy friendly attachment plus you have jackin as an attachment if need be um like, you could have all these Faceless Men pieces, and you could theme your list around them while it not technically being a Faceless Men army, because that wouldn't make sense. But you could just have all these pieces to really just drive home the the aesthetic of the Faceless Men. Yeah, we've been talking about what the Faceless Men could look like for a little while now. Uh, I think it was last year was the last time I threw out an idea that I had. And it was around the time of, oh, what attachment was it? I think it was the the Jack and Hagar Stark attachment that allows you to kill an attachment uh, along with dealing three wounds when he's destroyed. And it made me think of, what if he was just a, a standard faceless man that you actually had to pay for because the faceless man was notoriously expensive mushroom. Uh, so it made me think of, okay, so before the game starts, you have to buy a Facebook point. So one point, two point, or three point. And then uh, if you do that, you roll a die, but you keep it hidden under like a piece of paper. And only the controlling player knows what that die roll was. And then uh, when that the round associated with that die roll comes up an attachment equal in point to however many points you paid for your face is instantly destroyed. And commander's units would count. You'd have to spend three points to randomly kill a, a three-point attachment or a commander. It would be really good against the relentless army, especially if it rolled well. But the one thing that I pointed out in my idea is in Westeros, if you bought a faceless man, the timing was uncertain. It could be next week, it could be next month, it could be next year. The only thing that was certain was that the target would die. And that's why I did a random dice roll. Now, that wouldn't work competitively, but I think in a thematic sense, if you're playing a home game and you want to play around with a faceless men concept, I think that that would actually be really cool. If in the middle of your game, you reveal, hey, this faceless man just killed your commander in round two. Sorry, bro. Uh, yeah, I think that would be fun to play around with. But we have definitely emphasized the randomness of this episode, talking about all sorts of different things. 
on talking about the Facebook men, which aren't even a real thing in the game yet. Yep. Well, I would almost even say you would, uh, if you do the commander, you would even have to add plus one to your roll, um, you know, because how, uh, I forgive me if I'm uh, mis, um, messing up the scene a bit, because it has been a little bit since I watched it, but I, I think Arya does ask Jacken to kill Tywin, and he gives her an answer like, you know, you know, this is like the top guy. You know, you want me to kill Tywin. It takes time to plan things out and this and that. Like, you want to get someone that high up in the um, – and like I said, I could be totally mixing all that up. But, um, you know, that's – right. Uh, I think it was mostly that he was doing it for free. <laughs> I don't think he was going to expect yeah. a bunch of effort to just do it. Now, if he was getting paid for it, I think he probably would have found a way. But also, I think Tywin was leaving, and the opportunity didn't really present itself that, that he could take care of that in, in the time frame that he wanted. Uh, yeah. But it was talked about that uh, they would have sent a faceless man to kill Daenerys during the first small council with Ned Stark. And uh, they said, no, that would be so expensive. If they had just done that, imagine how many lives. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So... I was just thinking, you know, if you want to get the commander, because he's like the head honcho in the in your army, that you know you'd have to add plus one, so you'd you couldn't even kill their commander first turn, uh, and if you roll a six, then you you just you wouldn't get to kill him. Um, and, that would be a shame. Uh, yeah, but I mean, killing the commander, and I mean, it's only a one in six shot that you wouldn't get to do its effect, and you could always just like choose not to do the commander if you want to guarantee someone dies. Um, right. But uh, but that would, I guess, be the risk you would take by asking the favor to be the opponent's commander. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of like cool potential there. Sure is. So, with that said, uh, we went past our uh, a lot of time. I shouldn't say a lot of time. We're we're hoping to keep it within 90 minutes for this one. We're currently at 110 minutes, but it is what it is. It was a great uh, a great show, great topic, uh, a lot of cool things we talked about. Uh, as usually, we'll end our show with some shout outs. Um, I just want to shout out, uh, you know, Gen Con. I'm super I'm super excited for it. Uh, I know a lot of people out there, especially those that got their invites, are a little worried that they're. Um, you know, they seem to be a little behind behind the the curve a bit. You know, the it seems like there's not a lot going on. I think uh, with a lot of things just changing in in their structure of in their employment and whatnot, everything that happened with the organized play, they're kind of just kind of you know trying to pick up the pieces. I don't know all of the stuff that happened, but I, I've always been that person that tries to give them the benefit of the doubt. I really don't think that they're like trying to do this, uh, you know, where you know because right now we don't really know what. Uh, the game modes are or the way terrain works and all the different things or if there's going to be a um, you know an FAQ on some of the stuff before then for example like uh, Vassal um, it'd be nice to know like the official word on whether or not the intended uh, you know effect of being able to have Vassal affect your cards like uh, Victorian's uh, assault orders uh, working on newt um 
that could drastically change some lists uh, for me in particular. But, uh, you know, I know everyone's kind of hoping for some of that, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get we'll get something soon. So I just want to shout out Gen Con and just Simon. You know, I, I have some, uh, you know, probably a lot more faith in them than uh, a lot of other people out there. But, you know, I appreciate everything that they have done. Uh, sometimes we can kind of get bogged down with uh, all the, the negative um but you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm super excited. Uh, so if you can make it out to it, I highly uh, recommend it. Gen Con's always a blast. Uh, and then my other shout out will be, um, we'll just be shouting out uh, Sunday Slaughter again, as usual. Uh, they're amazing uh, content. Chris uh, does some amazing battle reports um, cast in a while, uh, but when they do, their podcasts are always amazing. So stay tuned for any of the content there. Uh, and uh, Cyrus, do you have any uh, shout-outs? Yeah, just to echo your thoughts on Gen Con. I'm really excited for Gen Con myself. I haven't been to the con since 2019 uh, because of and, and whatnot. So it's, it's going to be great to get back there. Um, I remember last year uh, we had our national at uh, Family Time Games, which was, which was a great time. But uh, it's going to be nice to get back. And as far as uh, the organized play goes, I mean, I get it. they got some things going on over there. This is a major event, though, and it would have been so much better if they had just something to give us. We are we're less than four weeks away, and, and some of us are still spinning our wheels now. I did hear today that we're probably going to get some kind of relief from organized play as far as what the tournament is going to look like at Gen Con. Uh, some structure is going to be most welcome. I mean, I just, like I said earlier in the show, I just found out that it's going to be a, a, a Friday, Saturday. I was thinking it's Saturday, Sunday. So getting that finalized, getting what the structure for the tournament is going to look like, um, it's still going to be a two-day event, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big term. It's the, it's the Nationals for one of their big games that they have. I don't think it's their biggest game anymore, but I think Song of Ice Fire is still big enough to warrant, you know, the, their attention. And it just it just seems like this is kind of falling short a little bit. I understand the frustration of a lot of players, but if it is something that was out of their hands as far as their, their turnover went, then so be it. But it, it's definitely frustrating. I get it from the player. And then uh, shout out to that. I did see that uh, is uh, back to releasing videos again. They did a uh, a video on the Mormont Bruisers, I believe. I still have to check that out, but I do like his unit breakdown. They're pretty good. I like having that as a, as a visual medium uh, that he does. He does some pretty cool um, art and animations. Uh, I do like his videos. So if, if you want a more visual style, you can probably check those out too. Yeah, I definitely will second uh, Big Top Gaming. Um, Brian um, is is an awesome guy. Uh, we should probably have him on if we can get him. Um, did uh, he did one of our older shows uh, with us, which is one of the one of my highly recommended episodes. Uh, if you guys have not. Um, Anyone listening has not uh, went and listened to it. Uh, Trappings of 
Meta Mentality is what it's called, and it, it's an amazing episode uh, just talking about how the meta, you can kind of get sucked into the meta, and, you know, it kind of traps you in this narrow-minded uh, list building, and it really hinders your creativeness and your, uh, your ability to break from that meta. Um, it was a really great episode, so um, I would definitely uh, suggest to go check that out, and then uh, and then obviously check out uh, Big Top Gaming's uh, channel. Uh, it's awesome that uh, that they're back uh, doing content. So, uh, did you have any other shout-outs? Nope, I think that does it this time. Awesome. All right, everybody. I appreciate everyone who listens to the show. Um, it is. You know, it's so awesome that you guys uh, listen to us, uh, you know, every week. You know, you know, I, I'm able to kind of track our, uh, you know, the numbers on who listens on what platform and where, and it's just awesome, all the support you guys give us. Uh, we don't do any sort of, like, Patreon or anything like that. So the best way you can uh, support us is just share out our show whether that be sharing it uh, on Facebook, on any other platform, uh, you know, social media, or uh, just word of mouth, you know, let your friends know about about the show. Uh, that's the number one way you can support us. Now, there are some other content creators out there that do take like a, a Patreon, and you know, if you're looking to help support uh, in some more of a financial way, definitely check out some of these other uh, platforms and you know, consider uh, helping them out. Um, because they do amazing work. Um, But I definitely appreciate all of you uh, tuning in. With that said, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. still here.